Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... We've got good news. The world is open again, and people like you, people of faith, are traveling to Catholic sites around the world. Want to travel with exceptional Catholic leaders this fall, next year, or in the future? Are you looking to see specific sites, celebrate traditional Latin Mass, or travel to destinations without vaccine requirements? We are here to help you deepen your faith on pilgrimage. Give us a call at 1-800-842-4842 or visit us online at selectinternationaltours.com. Select International Tours is your pilgrimage company, and we have the perfect Catholic trip for you. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Welcome to A Seeking Heart with Allison Jingris, distributed through Breadbox Media. Media, Easy for me to say. I am joined today by Julianne Stance. We're going to talk about her new book, Braving the Thin Places. And I know there's a subtitle to it, Julie. Where is it? Right here. Celtic Wisdom to Create a Space for Grace. This is a very exciting conversation for me to have, not only because I'm a huge fan of Julianne's, but also I've been studying grace as I'm like, like a college course, I have been studying grace. And I was excited to get a little bit more educated by her new book, Braiding the Thin Places, out now from Loyola Press. Julianne, thank you so much for coming back. Thank you so much, Alison, for having me. And thank you to all those who are listening in. Uh, it's good to be with you all. I am so excited to, to share this book with the listeners. It is, I loved your um, first book that I read. It's right here with Jesus. Start with Jesus. Yep. Start with Jesus. What is wrong with my brain today? I'm so prepared. Not. It's because it's so cold. <laughs> it is. It was four degrees this morning when I put my daughter on the bus. A little chilly. So start with Jesus. I loved. And it's uh, something I recommend to everybody, especially women who are looking to to bring other women together, small groups and things like that. But braving the thin places, when you were here last time talking about Start With Jesus, you, you kind of shared that this is something you'd wanted to write for a long time. Tell me about that. Yeah, so Start With Jesus kind of, I, I wrote that kind of inspired to help people understand the, that their walk of discipleship could be deepened in the average everyday moments of their life. And so I poured that out in about four months, um, partly because I was also dodging uh, publishing this one, which has been underway for literally 20 years. I, I used to keep a, a little pink um, notebook in my bag. And every time something came to me, I would make a little note of it. And um, my publisher came to me and said, you know, I think it's time that you do something a little different. I know you've been working on this and you're very um, invested in your Celtic heritage. And there's some really interesting concepts that I think could help everyone, regardless of their ethnicity or heritage or background. And why don't you consider writing that? And um, I had moments during the writing process because it was so personal to me that I stopped and said, I, I can't do this. And thanks be to God, I had some good mentors in my life who said, just keep on going. And so this new book is the fruit of 
the guts of pain, tears, you know, all of it poured out in one form. And this is my first introduction to, I said Celtic, but I heard you just say Celtic. So I apologize. No, that's for okay. My <laughs> Celtic. Um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, spirituality. Wisdom. Yeah. Wisdom, wisdom, spirituality. I didn't realize it was so rich and, and deep and beautiful. So tell us a little bit about, um, obviously you're from Ireland, so this is part of your heritage, but, but why the, the Celtic wisdom? Yeah, you know, I and I just want anybody who's listening in to know that this is such an accessible tradition with some practices that can really help you develop some spiritual resilience in your life and beautiful prayer forms. But I grew up in Ireland um, and I grew up in a part of Ireland in the southeast or the east that's known as the ancient east. And so there are tombs, there are, you know, what we call megalithic tombs that are, you know, 3,500 years old and stretch back into the mists of time. And, um, you know, St. Patrick... You know, we know that there were vestiges of Christianity in Ireland, but St. Patrick really baptized um, the Irish for Christ. And so you have this beautiful marrying of some of these ancient practices that became Christianized and um, some beautiful understandings of prayers like the Larica or the breastplate prayer, prayers that can protect us and guide us. And so I was very lucky. Um, I grew up kind of absorbing a lot of these. I didn't realize that they weren't, you know, um, that they weren't well understood. And um, that was one of my passions was to be able to bring this um, beautiful tradition to light in a way that helped people understand that there is no um, disunity with Christianity, that everything that I want to talk about harmonizes within our Catholic faith. Because unfortunately, I think there is um, a vein of the Celtic, um, you know, it's wrapping around mythology and all of that, that isn't doesn't quite harmonize with our tradition. And so I wanted to bring to light that real authentic tradition that developed in the early Christian church, particularly in the Celtic nations of Ireland, Scotland, Wales, and Nova Scotia, Brittany, and then a little place called the Isle of Man, which um, speaks a form of Gaelic called Manx. So um, really mm -hmm. unusual. Yeah, kind of fun. It's neat. Uh, it, it's, it, I'm just overwhelmed by all of it. It was just some of the traditions some of the um just to completely go forward the when your mother passed away like that was fascinating to yeah. me what your family did to to make way for her to to her eternal rest can you share just a little bit about that tradition it was just so neat yeah so the the early christian church had some of the most beautiful practices around death and dying and entering life and part of that was because the interplay between light and darkness for the Celts was something that they saw as a seamless transition. And so you have this beautiful understanding that that between the, you know, the darkness and the light, there's this twilight or this transition period, this thin place, or to use a very Irish expression, a betwixt and a between time where one is giving way to the other. So a great example of that is, you know, when you're expecting a baby, the child grows in the darkness of the womb. Like there is no light source in there. And so the, the child passes from the dark into the light of the world. And in death, we pass from what we think is the light back into the darkness. But it's really those are all giving way to each other. So light and darkness are themes that are really important for us at home. And so my mother wanted, as she was passing, wanted to have a very traditional um, wake, which is the traditional days of mourning that are celebrated before the funerals and little faith practices like um, we leave the window, a crack in the window open um, as somebody is passing into eternal life to allow um, the souls of those who have passed on 
which is lovely understanding of the communion of saints to come and yeah. visit um, the person who is dying so that they can ease their transition into the next life. Um, so that's one of my favorite ones. Also, um, things like um, making sure that when the person passes on, um, that the body is treated with dignity and care. So they're shrouding, which is, you know, you hear that Jesus was swaddled in a manger and then he was wrapped as he was taken down from the cross. So you have that beautiful understanding. And then one of my favorite traditions also is um, when the body is laid out, which is a very Irish term to lay out the body. Um, people come from all over the neighboring villages um, to sit with the body, to pray with the body, to share stories. And it really eases that passage of grief. And all around the body, it's typically um, the body is laid out in your living room. Um, which was very unusual for my husband seeing this for the first time. He was like, what is <laughs> happening? And um, people go in to pay their respects and sometimes they sing songs, but they tell stories. But all around the body is are the candles. They're all lit. Um, the body is never left untended to chase the darkness away. So all wow. of those traditions are ones that we can um, adopt. We can remember, particularly around feast days like All Souls Day. Well, I have a... I big devotion to to the holy souls i visit cemeteries in november but also throughout the year whenever i drive by a cemetery i always pray jesus mary joseph i love you save souls like in fact i'll Beautiful. be driving and if you're with me in the car if we're in mid conversation if we're going by a cemetery i just stop talking um i say it in my head or i'll say it out loud the entire length of the cemetery and then I'll just jump back into conversation. And the first time you're with me, you're like, okay, that was weird. But I'm like, these these souls are so precious to the Lord. Yeah. Like to be able to pray for them, to because you can no longer merit grace for yourself after you die, to be able to be part of that communion of saints, the communion Absolutely. of souls, the, the cloud of witnesses. I, I just feel like that that veil, that thin veil is it's so thin. And learning that about my faith really opened up my heart to a whole new devotion and it's just very near and dear to me. So reading that, the only thing, other thing I wanted to ask before we move on to the yeah. next is they, the, your sister stopped all the clocks. Yeah, that's a big one because um, that, and actually another practice that goes along with stopping clocks when someone passes away is actually covering any reflective surfaces. Right. Yeah, the mirrors because, and it's funny because I have studied so much of Celtic wisdom and traditions and practices and I was a history teacher and so it's for me it's looking at you know the history and the theology and the, the the devotional life all coming together my sister who doesn't have that kind of background did these practices and I remember saying to her Janice why are you shrouding the mirrors just to see if she'd remember and she said I don't know it's just what we do here <laughs> and um, it's because the soul has to make its own passage and so uh, we want to avoid any reflectivity. And the clocks is particularly significant for us because if you have lost somebody significant in your life, and let's face it, we all have, time moves differently. Mm. And so we honor the, that the passage of time has been marked by that person's life. And so all the clocks in the house are stopped um, to just remember that this, this is sacred time that we are now in, that temporal time or ordinary time has literally been suspended by death. Oh my goodness. And I, and I love that. I love that they're, you know, devotions. They're not, mm -hmm. you know, they're not these things that we do that are superstitions, yeah. but instead they're a part of a devotion. And I think that reading your book, again, we're talking today with Julianne Stance, her new book, Braving the Thin Places out from Loyola Press. I think your book showed me 
like this new idea of our deeper idea of tradition and devotion and not superstition. And it just gave it a, a way of kind of connecting. My new book is about sacramentals. So I've been Ooh. spending a lot of time looking at these beautiful devotions and, and many people look at us like it's a, it's a superstition. Like, mm -hmm. Oh, you wear that cross around your neck or, you know, you, what you, the Holy water, all of those things, burning candles, incense, all of that. Like can be looked at and to me it's just another way of connecting to my god connecting to my faith well so the, the name of the book is braving the thin places so what is a thin place and actually you did a great job explaining a little earlier what a thin place is you know it's these moments where god feels deeply present to us and so heaven breaks through the supernatural breaks through the extraordinary into the ordinary. And so thin places were always associated in Ireland with very specific historical places. So you would go to these places to commune or um, develop a greater sense of prayer and friendship with God. I grew up very, very close to Glendalough in County Wicklow, which is this ancient monastic site. And it, you know, that site literally stretches, like I say, into the mists of time because before it was Christianized, um, it was a holy site. Um, it was a place where people would journey, where they struggled with fertility or, you know, relationship issues. And of course, when St. Patrick came to Ireland and lit that fire for Christianity, these places became even more important as centers of community life and, and friendship and prayer. So initially, thin places was always associated with specific historic locations. But thin place spirituality really says to us, you know, God, can speak to us in these moments of our lives and that um, certain times become watershed moments where we can feel in a very profound way how God is meeting us in the ordinary moments of our lives. Like I'll give you an example of one for me was when I um, had my first child and I remember, and your listeners are gonna think, gosh, this is really interesting, but I remember going into the mirror in the bathroom in the, in the hospital after I had my first child because life felt so different to me mm -hmm. and there was such a discernible sense of sacredness and I looked in the mirror to see did I look different because I felt so different because now my identity was now configured to motherhood yeah. and so that was a really important one but if you've ever been in a room where someone has passed oh okay well we lost Julianne for a minute there we're gonna just keep going until she joins back with us um, we're talking today with Julianne Stance, and her book is Braving the Thin Places, and she's back. See, I told you it wouldn't take her long to get back to us, and she'll be joining in a second. Oh, oh no, we're having trouble keeping her. Hmm. We're in a thin place right now. Maybe her internet. We talked, she and I talked for about 15 minutes before she came on. This happens in life sometimes, and okay. Thank you. Welcome back. We went into a thin place. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened either. This is really strange. It. I. Anyway, I'm. I'm here. But I. That yes. was very unusual. Well, I. It's great um, that you were able to get back in. So we'll just continue. So you said you looked in the mirror because your life had just yep. become kind of connected with motherhood, and you you felt different. Did you look different? I mean, after birth we do look a little different <laughs> we do I mean I was definitely more raggedy and tired but you know what was interesting to me is I felt like my eyes were softer I had a greater understanding of what all women go through the pain of birthing a child in the new life and the joy on my husband's face 
And so I feel like I looked different after that moment. And I think that's what thin places do for us. They kind of configure how we see ourselves and others, but more deeply God as well. I love that your example was a joyful place because for most of the book as I was reading it until I got deeper into it, I and actually came into the book thinking this thin place would be a, a, a negative place, a, a difficult, a challenging place, I guess is the better word for it. There would be these challenging moments in our lives. But I I'm thrilled that you used a joyful because that gives our listeners just a little bit more understanding that it's all those places. Like any of those places that I think you write that allows God to enter in. And yeah. that's the beauty of grace. Grace, um, as I said, I've been studying it and I had no idea how wide and depth, I mean, we're talking about the unfathomable God and his mm. gift of himself to us, because that's what grace is, the undeserved, freely given gift of God's Holy Spirit within us in all of the places he can make himself known. So did you find um, spending more time looking at the thin places, did it bring you a, a deeper, because sometimes I think we forget that the writer also experiences the book as it's being created. Did you find it deepened your own spirituality? Oh, for sure. You know, it helped me become more reflective of the hand of God and how he was writing parts of my story when I didn't even realize um, that there was a pen on the table. And, you know, I think back to those moments of my life, like real high points of joy and real high points of, um, of pain and suffering and how God was meeting me in those moments. And I think that's what grace, um, when we look and we lean into grace, we realize that we only see, you know, in our humanness, a fraction of God's goodness and his majesty and his glory in our lives. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about, you know, those times of grace for me, I feel like he broke through because thin places always encourage you to break through. And, and you know, I actually, this is a funny little story, but actually around chapter eight or nine, I, I decided I was not going to finish the book, that it was too hard for me. And I sent it to a friend of mine who I really trust and said, you know, he's written 20 books. Um, oh. It's stupid, isn't it? Yeah, like this isn't good. And he wrote back, what are you thinking? And I realized, you know, um, we all have that those voices that can deter us. And um, God gives grace when we... Um, least us least expected and so for me the grace to continue going and to persevere was um was the opportunity for him to love me even more through this experience so it was a neat time that is you know it's funny you're saying that because when i sent in my my draft manuscript to ave maria press i was absolutely convinced that they were going to send me back my contract ripped up like what what were we thinking we've made a huge mistake and it's those voices right it, mm -hmm. I mean, obviously the the evil one doesn't want us to spread Absolutely. the good news of jesus christ anywhere and so he kind of uses our own brokenness the voices perhaps from our childhood um you know the the mistakes that we make the failures and just kind of points those little pushes those little buttons and you can be just kind of i, I think derailed um but i'm glad that you found somebody uh, i love this part this actually breaking free part we talk about a soul friend i've never heard of this expression before julianne ever what is a soul friend so um in the early christian church um people lived in monastic communities very very closely together and you know when you live in any community whether it's a family or you know you've um, lived in a college dorm let's say um there's times when community life can really be very trying and so 
um, this beautiful understanding of what we call the Anamkara, which is the Gaelic word for soul friend, is someone that holds up a mirror to your life and to your heart and to your soul and really encourages you to grow closer to God. And unfortunately, this soulmate idea has become kind of co-opted in, in the secular modern life to be this like romantic kind of thing. But in for, you know, 14, 1500 years, this was a beautiful understanding of someone who would mirror back to you God's grace, but also the movement of God in your life. And so St. Bridget of Ireland, for example, there's a lovely story where she's in the refectory, which is kind of like a monastic cafeteria. And um, a young man comes in and St. Bridget says to him, I can see that thy portion, half thy portion is lost. And it's a very peculiar turn of phrase. Basically, she said, like, you're only half there. And the young man said, how do you know? And he said, because I can see that your soul friend has passed on to eternal life. And it's wow. this, yeah, so you, in the, you've got these great ancient, you know, um, fifth and sixth century texts, and they talk about this development of the soul friend. And, you know, I think about spiritual direction and spiritual companioning, um, but I also think about um, brotherhood and sisterhood. When you meet somebody that you can have a connection with at the deepest level of soul, it's almost like it's an act of ancient recognition where your soul and their soul kind of meet each other ahead of even your own intellect or consciousness and you just click. Um, that's a great example of uh, having a soul connection with someone. Oh my gosh, that is such a beautiful tradition, just a beautiful um, heritage. I'm so excited that you're sharing this with all of us in Braving the Thin Places, Julianne's Dance, Loyola Press. The the last kind of concept I want to jump into before we run out of time together um, is that you have an acronym for GRACE. Again, I've been studying GRACE, my little antenna went up, and I'm just going to give the um, what you, the words that you kind of associated with GRACE, and then I'd love for you just to give us a little bit more. Um, so G, gratitude, uh, rest or reset, A, acceptance, C, cultivating hospitality, not exactly my strongest suit, E, embracing stillness. So tell me a little bit about this acronym and the, maybe some of those words and, and why you offered this for us for contemplation. Yeah, one of the great gifts of the early Christian church was um, their understanding of the cycle of life, the circular dimension, the alpha and the omega. There is no beginning and no end to the love of God. And so in early Christian art, you'll see a lot of the spiraling. If you look at the Irish sweaters, um, jewelry, they have a lot of those triple spirals, the Trinitarian spiral. And so they're an important part of Celtic mm -hmm. life. And one of the the ways that I wanted to draw the book kind of from the beginning back to the end and to the beginning again was to to really look at that concept of God's grace as having no beginning and end through some practices. And so I identify five practices that can really help people develop spiritual resilience, a greater sense of peace and joy in their life, the ability to weather storms and understand how God is moving. Like we don't always fully understand that we can have knowledge mm. of it, but um, to really lean into to God's grace in this circle. And so um, the, the first one is gratitude. And it's not like just having that attitude of gratitude, but recognizing uh, God's abundance and his generosity. I think sometimes as Christians, we live out of a scarcity mindset. You know, mass attendance mm -hmm. is down. There's not enough resources to go around. But the gospel is nimble, portable, shareable, adaptable. It has... It walks its way out into our lives in so many ways. And so it's gratitude par excellence. It's, it's, it's that gratitude for the person of Jesus Christ, the goodness of God the Father, and the love of the Holy Spirit. So that's that one. 
And then um, I really talk about this opportunity um, to embrace rest and um, and that wraps really into that piece on stillness as well. And um, there's a difference between silence and stillness. And I think sometimes we use them interchangeably. One of the great gifts that the Celts gave um, the, the church was this understanding of uh, poverty of spirit and heart and cultivating silence. And so you can be in a room, and I, I will tell you, because I am my mind is constantly <laughs> racing. You can be in a room with people and you can have deep interior peace. Or you can be in a room where there is absolutely nothing spoken and your mind can be distracted. And mm. the first step of, um, of being a good listener and listening for God is to tune in. It's attunement. And that means consciously noting the thoughts that are racing through your head and your heart and really saying, I'm switching off. I need to be still and present to God. And there's this lovely Celtic proverb, he, she, and thee, all things in three. So like in our conversation today, oh, okay. you and I are here, but your listeners are listening in. But really in the in our conversation, God is deepest within this conversation. And so in every interaction that we have, we have to listen for that. And then um, one that's very important in Irish, in the Irish culture, you know, you've heard of like Cade Mila La Falcha, which means 100,000 welcomes is this understanding of hospitality. I think, it, you know, when we talk about Christian hospitality, I think sometimes we talk about like donut rolls and donuts. And <laughs> <laughs> but really this is about um it's deeper than that um there's you know this fifth century prayer that says "O king of stars referring to jesus whether my house be dark or bright may it be not closed against anybody may christ not close his house against me so basically saying that we receive others um in the manner in which we expect to be received by christ and so true christian hospitality uh, actually flows from the virtue of charity um, and receiving the other as Christ um, and welcoming the stranger. And there, you know, there's a lovely scripture about we entertain angels unawares. But I think yeah. that's where our Irish Christian hospitality extended from, which was always from the virtue of practicing charity. And then, um, so I want to share with your listeners a lovely Irish word called mehel. And it's this understanding of gathering and community. And mehel is this antidote to this sterile individualism i think that the culture pushes on us to say let's come together let's look at what unites us rather than divides us and mehel is this understanding of the fact that we're all interconnected um instead of we're radically independent so mm -hmm. some beautiful practices that we can really lean into I, I love it. You, you used the expression lean into grace. It's actually one of the, the things that I Ooh. have been I've been contemplating when I sit with this, literally sit with the book, a couple of these um, resources that my spiritual director has given me. And his advice was to study grace like it's a college course. And I wow. hadn't really thought about studying faith like it's a college course. And, you know, to me, that meant reading it underlining it making notes rereading it which is not something i do often with spiritual reading i don't always go back and reread what what i've underlined taking notes in a separate notebook uh, finding additional resources and just really diving in mm -hmm. and getting to know the unfathomable god just a little bit, a bit better more. yeah it is such a and there's moments for that and it, and it happened when i was reading your book too where you have these moments of clarity that you can't put to words. There's just no way of explaining them, but you know God just showed up. 
You know, the Holy Amen. Spirit just made you this much closer to him to, that you were a second before that. And you can't explain it. And it's overwhelming. And the joy could be even fleeting, but yet so powerful. You're like, there is a God. And I just met him right this moment, even again, if it was just fleeting. That's uh, beautiful. I, that is just beautiful. Well, it was inspired by your beautiful writing. Oh, thank you. Uh, and I do love, and, and just again, one last thing is that I love when a book gives me an, a call to action because it's not just about being um, educated or growing in knowledge, but to take that and bring it forth. That's a bit discipleship, right? It's, mm -hmm. you're, you're taught and then it's not just for you. It's to bring to others and to share. And sometimes we even, to be able to discern it deeper, it, it, it requires some action. So I love that at the end of each chapter, you have uh, breaking open, breaking through, and breaking free. Can you just quickly share a little bit about what that looks like at the end of each chapter? Yeah, I, I recognized when I was writing this that some of the concepts are so deep. Um, a lot of people were saying to me, like, I could meditate on this one line forever. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to make it accessible because I don't want to see this wisdom that I grew up with and that became second nature to me as difficult or inaccessible to people. Right. And so there's a, a summary section that really encourages you to apply some of the deepest points of the, the wisdom from the Celtic tradition in a specific context in your life. And so every chapter um, is rooted in what's called a shanuckle, which is a wise word. And like one of my favorite shanuckles is Askaha Akela Awarnadini, which is we live in the shadow of one another. Now that doesn't mean like we're overshadowed by one another, but you know, if you think about facing the sunlight, you, your, your body casts a shadow, which can be a place of respite and healing and grace for someone else. And so I wanted to tease out some of those themes in a way that would help, you know, moms, dads, friends, grandparents kind of connect to this tradition in a really practical way. And um, that is so beautiful. And I loved every one of your Irish old words. I'm not even going to try <laughs> to say that beautiful um, Celtic word there, Gaelic word, because you it, it doesn't, that's not at all how I saw it in my head. <laughs> Apparently, I need to get out more. That is just, I love that you just, really, each one of them, you could, as you just said, your friends said, I could get lost in that. Um, I could get lost in that forever. In this chapter, every beginning is weak. Like, mm -hmm. I love that. That was mm -hmm. just beautiful. And I could yeah. probably listen to you use these words in your beautiful native tongue forever. But, unfortunately, we've come to an end of our time together. Julianne, how can people... Find the book, obviously, we want to make sure they can find it and learn more about it. And also, how can they follow you and your beautiful writing? Thank you so much. And thank you so much for the opportunity to just be here and share a little bit of my heart. I um, would really encourage people, especially at this time in the life of our of our world and our church, and knowing that so many we, um, our communities have been built by small business owners, to really go to your small local bookstores and, and ask for a copy of the book. It's published by Loyola Press. You can find it at all major bookstores online, um, at the big retailers. Um, but also, um, you can go to loyolapress.com and um, they, uh, there's a, a link on there that you can order it, or you can go through my website, juliannestands.com, and um, I'll let you know to my friend. I'll pass you on a special discount uh, just for your uh, listeners in. Um, I, I had asked my publisher if I could have something special just for family and friends, and so they put together a special little discount for your listeners, so I'll make sure you get that too. 
Oh, that'd be wonderful. And we'll make sure uh, to share that uh, in the show notes. And we, I'm so glad you mentioned local um, bookstores. We talk about that at the end of every show. And just to remind people that if they go to their local bookstore and they don't see it, they can ask it to be ordered. Yeah. And that is not just a beautiful way for them to get the book, but that also lets this business owner know that there's something out there that people are looking for and it actually helps their business as well. So I love that you mentioned supporting the small businesses and I love that you made time for us this morning. This has been just another delightful time with Julianne Stans. Thank you, Julianne. Thank you. I just want to say Gurmila Mahagut, which is a thousand thank yous. Of course, the Irish are known to a little bit of Blarney, so I couldn't help but sneak that in. Thank you so much. I'm so glad that you did. That <laughs> made my day. <laughs> You have been listening to A Seeking Heart with Alison Jingris, distributed through Breadbox Media. God bless.